Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's episode is with Dinesh Kanachata. And Dinesh is an entrepreneur, investor, author, in the process of building and exiting multiple companies, the last for over $200 million, by the way. He has learned some valuable lessons on the following subjects. And he's definitely and willing capable, able to, uh, to share all this with you. He's learned some lessons on sales, funding, marketing, and tech, and we're pretty excited to, to learn all about that. So welcome to the show, Dinesh. Thanks very much for giving me the opportunity. The pleasure is mine. So as always, as is customary with every guest, I would love you to talk about your background, how you got started, and, and I have a feeling you have a bit of a nomadic story to tell. Yeah, it, well, I mean, at least I think so. The, um, <laughs> my background is uh, I started out as a uh, as a um, kind of pre-med guy who halfway through that process uh, decided he didn't want to be a doctor and was left with fairly little in the way of marketable skills. And then what I ended up doing was uh, using uh, just some hustle to be able to get into an early start- startup company. And uh, then, you know, as they say, the rest is history. So I've built, you know, been part of teams and led teams that have built three successful exits. And um, I've, you know, probably led, invested, um, advised uh, well over 13 companies through the startup process through to um, exit some successfully, you know, with some major upsides, some not so successfully. But in the end, uh, I've been able to work with a lot of really interesting people and make some good money and also uh, uh, build a phenomenal network. No, no, I, I love it. I love it. And your mom, what was your mom? Because you said you, you, you were born. So I was born in Vancouver. Um, you know, my I, I lived the nomad lifestyle. Um, my parents, my mom's an oceanographer, so we lived by the water all over uh, North America. And, you know, 
born in Vancouver, grew up in Newfoundland on the East Coast, went to school in Ontario and in Ottawa, which is capital of Canada, started my first technology company um, and uh, sold that to a, to a global semiconductor firm, which resulted in me living in London and in um, some time in Sydney. Then spent a little bit of time in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I've been traveling for the last 15 years, almost 200 days a year. Uh, and uh, so I've racked up a lot of air miles, been seen a lot of really cool places. And, you know, it's uh, my wife makes a joke. We've never lived in a house more than a year and a half. Um, and we've been married 18 years, so that gives you some sense of the wanderlust that's in my blood. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, and um, I, you have kids too as well, right? That's right. And luckily, they're, they're, uh, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the trees. They both love traveling, too. And so, you know, we, we travel and, and, and seeing, you know, we like to consider ourselves global citizens. So seeing all sorts of cool places and living and change, that's all kind of, that's all they know. So luckily, uh, luckily I, don't, I don't have to deal with some of the challenges, I guess, families who have, who have less turmoil in their lives have to deal with. No, that's good. It's good. I mean, it definitely, I mean, I can say this from experience. It gives, you know, there are, you know, the flip side. So, you know, the positive and the negative, but it sounds yeah. like your kids have grabbed so it's a positive, but it definitely gives them a, a wider view of the world. I always say that the, it's it's funny how we the world is more globalized and more digitalized. Yet not many people act global or digital. It doesn't sound like yep. a kid. Your kids are, are going to yeah, have that problem. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it's uh, you know, the more we can integrate into a global community, the better for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. In, in, speaking of integrating and becoming a global community, along the way, you had mentioned you know you had some failures and some success. I'm very curious. We're going to start off with with the sales tip. Um, you. Uh, you know, when we when we first talked, you talked about how you can talk to the audience about how to maximize their funnel math to generate twelve to fifteen times returns on on their salespeople. Yeah. Given your experience, your vast experience with all these companies you have, what are actionable tips that um, the listeners can actually apply to their businesses in terms of sales? Yeah. So you know, the first thing that most people don't take the time to do is um, they don't take the time to understand their math. Um, you know, even uh, I think most entrepreneurs uh, rely on hustle, and it's a key key component. But that's the art of entrepreneurship. The science is your business model and your and the math at different parts of the business. And just because you can sell something and sell it repeatedly doesn't mean anybody else can. And uh, so what I spend a lot of time doing is helping founders uh, in my own business as well um, – Going from the guy that can sell anything because you're, you're selling on passion to creating a, a repeatable system and then instrumenting that system uh, with data, like numbers. So let me give you a practical example. When you sell something because it's your company, um, you know, you, you, you can sell it any way you want. You can, you can make it fit the customer, all that kind of stuff, right? And so you typically have, as the founder, a very, very high close rate. You know, I've seen founders in the, in the 80, 80% plus close rate on their opportunities. You bring in your first sales guy and all of a sudden, you know, you're losing deals left, right, and center. You're incredibly disappointed and you think, geez, you know, this guy is horrible. I'm going to fire him, right? And what you don't realize is that your sales system was designed for you. It was a sales system of one and it's not a sales system that can scale. And so what I spent 
time what the founder is talking about is okay. So it, you know, this guy had a ten year, fifteen year, twenty year career before he showed up at your door. He couldn't have done that if he was a crappy sales guy, right? So let's you know take some of the ego out of it and let's just look at this scientifically and. How could we structure a sales process that any salesperson could walk themselves into and be successful within a time frame of three, six months, nine months? And it depends on the product. And then what you do is you set up a, a process that is a set of stages and gates, and then you, you, you actually sit down and you measure how many leads it takes to get um, you know, go from a, from a website visit to a, a, an info request, from an info request to a demo request, from a demo request to a proposal, from a proposal to a contract, from a contract to a post, etc. Right? Whatever your stages are, you cut, you figure out what those stages are, you figure out what the key output is in that stage, and then you start running the numbers. And um, most entrepreneurs don't sit down and take the time to do this for their business. There's tons and tons of sales books out there that will give you generic sales processes and numbers. But what I think people need to realize is every business is different. There are things that are common, and you need to take a year. And it's not a month, one month, two month. You need to take a year to instrument the front end of your business and then then you start funding it. So that means putting dollars into marketing, dollars into hiring salespeople, but only after you've instrumented it. And the best way to instrument it is by hiring two junior salespeople, potentially, um, who can help you figure out what all the steps are without it being too expensive. You can also baseline them against each other. And once you get the math down, now what you can do is you can actually start funding against that math. So if I put $1 in here, I get, you know, 10 leads out here. If I put $100 in, I get 1,000 leads, right? And so what ends up happening is you're able to now fund your business to scale up based on the rate at which you want to scale and how, you know, how where your product is, how your manufacturing is, etc. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, you know, I, I've worked for a couple of startups and one of the things that – one of the roles I've had, especially um, – what a job that I currently uh, currently have right now is is I, I straddle between leading the business development side uh, as well as the the media the media department and in, on the business development side I can't speak today on the business development <laughs> side when we're setting up partnerships and determining how to allocate the money what money goes to what it, it is that type of discussion that I usually have with, with my CEO or any of them is okay so we're going to spend um, X amount of dollars maybe you know for every seventy cents dollars we're going to get we're estimating 300 leads. Now, if, if we can get these guys to cut down that cost by half and get the same amount of leads, that saves us this amount of money. And it, yeah. it starts to go down that path. And then it's, and then, you know, because that, that's what he will ask me. So, okay, so how much money are we saving? What's the cost? What's the savings? If it's a good, if it's a good, uh, if it's good to go, then we can go with that. And sometimes we have to weigh the opportunity. If it might be like a big company, like, okay, is the yeah. name worth spend this amount of dollars and are we going to get X amount of return by being associated with this um, big of a brand? So it's, it's interesting that you say that because I just had that conversation with a few members of my team. Well, marketers are used to it because yeah. for years, marketers have been, you know, forced to demonstrate ROI, right? And, yeah. you know, there's a classic Leo Burnett saying, right? I know, I know that my half of my marketing is working. I just don't know which half. Right. And, um, so, you know, you marketers are, are, are comfortable with the numbers, comfortable with the math because they know that if they don't provide it back, they're not going to get 
money next year. Sales historically has not had to do that, right? Sales are the are the cowboys, right? We you know we go out, we close a million dollar deal, and we say don't ask, don't tell, right? We, yeah. we did it, we got her done. Yeah. Just let, just just take take the money, smile, pay my commission, I'll go back out and I'll do it again, right? And that's uh that's that's that requires a bit of a change in sales culture. Um, and I think that. You know, there is still going to be a lot of art in the selling process, but you know, the more you as a business can instrument it, the more power you have as the owner versus you know relying on these you know um, you know these Clint Eastwood good bad ugly type sales guys who can you know take you for a ride and honestly take a lot of money out of your business if you're not able to if you're not able to manage them properly. It's so true. I mean, um, I think historically sales and marketing have had an an interesting type of relationship where one one department thinks you're taking too much of the money, the other department thinks you're not making any of the money, um, and it's like, oh, well, you guys only all you guys do is that that is is just take all the money and go get the clients, and the other guy says, well, we bring the money, and then it's like yeah. back and forth. But I love where this conversation is going because you're you're talking about that that move and shift where if for successful businesses there has to be that understanding of both aspects how sales and marketing can affect the bottom line of the company. So if we're to move to marketing, you have a concept called proactive marketing, you know, making sure that marketing activities focuses on the end goal. You know, so can you talk about that? Basically sales on a shoestring budget. Yeah, sales on a shoestring budget. So, you know, one of the things that um, the biggest challenges um, companies have is money for sales is usually fairly um, clear, right? You know, I spend a dollar on a sales guy. You know, he's going to bring in probably this many leads and then he's going to close this much. And I know what his total on-target comp is going to be, et cetera. Marketing is completely different. Like marketing, you're throwing, you're spending a lot of money. Some of it's going to work, some of it's not. It involves a lot of experimentation, and it requires a commitment for the long term. And so, what, what, you know, I, I when I sit down with entrepreneurs and I talk about marketing when you're when you're on a shoestring budget, less is more. Like, don't try to market like IBM markets where you have brand marketing and content marketing and trade shows and like all of that stuff all together will be impossible for you for a small business to maintain if you um, if you try to do too many things, you will either sacrifice reach or frequency, and most often you sacrifice frequency, which is the, you know, I'll do it for a month, I'll see how it happens, and then I'll stop. Well, in marketing, nothing happens in a month, right? So what you really want to do is choose one or two things and then commit to doing them for a year. And, um, you know, this is, this is very hard for entrepreneurs to hear, right? So I'm going to be spending money on something for a year. Yeah. Like there's like, no way I can't do that. I got to see results now. Right. And, uh, you just got to control your, your emotions on this stuff, right? It's not the same as sales. And yes, you can expect to see something quickly in sales. Well, quickly may not be a month, but you know, you can see, just set yourself up for the expectation. You know, it's like losing weight, right? Yeah. If you say I'm going to be down 20 pounds in a month, either your life is going to be hell or, and, and you're going to fail or, or you're you're just you're just going to be really really disappointed at the end of that month, right? And um, so what I say is, look, you know, think about it. Like a year, this is a year program. So if you're gonna if your budget is thirty thousand dollars, 
well, how do I spend $30,000 over a year as opposed to $30,000 at one, like in three months, right? What are the programs that I could provide reach and forget reach and frequency on? You know, where could, what could I do? Like, so for myself, I'll give you a personal example. I, I invest in companies and I lead companies. So I am a guy who, you know, small team, three, four guys, right? And, you know, I could, I, I do marketing. This is a good example of marketing. What do I do? I put all my effort into content and all my effort into meeting guys like you who are going to have an audience because I have a small amount of money and I want to maximize reach. And I know that folks that listen to your podcast are probably listening to other business podcasts because they're trying to go do something. And they're also entrepreneurs likely because, you know, or they're interested in entrepreneurship or they're thinking about being an entrepreneur. So, you know, that's going to provide me opportunities to work with potential members of your audience, potentially invest in a very small percentage if their ideas are awesome and their team is amazing, or advise them or you know just share my expertise. So I pick one thing, I do it for a year, and I look at it for my goal is to access audiences that are that look like my perfect customer. Oh, Dinesh, I can't believe you used me like that. Uh, <laughs> no, my, my, my immediate response to, to what you're saying, it, it is, I, once again, like, like you, I, I've worked at startups and, and I currently do now. It, I see this all the time where it, the, the management, you know, or the investors are like, no, that's too, that's too long of a time to wait. I need to have something actionable to show to investors. And the investors are like, well, this is not what we spent money on. What can I do? Um, what can I do? What can I, what can you do right now that proves that my investment is worth the money in those situations where we have impatient bosses who, yeah. who might understand the big picture and say, Hey, yeah, okay. One year from now. Great. I need to get this X amount of leads now to show that our business idea is viable. Give me some actionable results that, that can be implemented within the next 30 days so that I can report back to them. How do you deal with yeah. that? Right. So like, you know, every, everything is not a nail. So, you know, one of the things that um, I talk to entrepreneurs a lot about is when you have a hammer in your hand, everything looks like a nail, right? So what you really want to do within the reason I use that analogy is you have multiple strategies, multiple tactics to solve different stakeholders in your business's needs. So the guy, your investor that wants results now, right? Well, let's talk about what results mean. Let's define results, right? And so set expectations with them early. So let's talk about what can be done in 30 days. Um, can we generate 5x numbers of leads in 30 days? That's probably unrealistic, Mr. Investor. And, you know, my goal is a partnership with you so that you see your outcome, which is traction in the business. But I am focused on the right thing so that, you know, we're not sacrificing traction for today for you know long-term growth tomorrow so it's all about starting that conversation and saying let's talk about what results mean and there's lots of other ways to measure results measure traction because that's what investors want investors want to de-risk their investment and de-risking means i can see a line of sight to revenue and then from revenue value enterprise value and from enterprise value um you know earnings per share right and that's that's the chain, right? So what you have to do is understand that's the investor's psychology. And um, what they're really asking is for de-risk. Whenever they ask you to see traction, I want to see results for my money. What they're really saying is make me – help me sleep at night that my money isn't going to all get burned and lost. And, um, you know, there's – there's that's a conversation with them. Some of the uh, things that I found that worked are um, – 
looking at uh, looking at what I call um, input metrics or leading indicators. So, you know, uh, we we you know um, in the next thirty days we're going to put out five thought leadership pieces, um, and those five thought leadership pieces in the next thirty days we expect to turn into you know um, you know uh, you know. 15 blog posts or third party, a third party uh, pickup. Um, and then in the next 30 days, we're going to expect that to turn into 50 leads or we're going to spend, you know, we're going to buy this list or we're going to go to this trade show. That trade show, we're going to be doing a press release and that press release which should generate, you know, this much inbound interest and this much outbound interest from leads to the show. And don't give single discrete data points because the business isn't run on, you know, 20 leads in the next 30 days. The business is run on a pipeline. It's run on a product pipeline and financial pipeline, which is your order to cash process. Oh, sorry. And then your sales pipeline, your sales and business pipeline, which is from awareness to trust, right? And, you know, you, you need to set your investors up for that conversation. And if they're frankly not sophisticated enough to have that conversation with you, they're probably not the right investors. That's exactly true. And and <laughs> I, I love every single point that you make it because this is something every entrepreneur needs, needs to hear. Um, having been on, on several aspects of this, it is so interesting how true what you said is. You have to actually know how to, to speak the language to whichever stakeholder you're talking to. So if you talk to your, your, your CEO or your CMO, it's completely different. So if yep. it's your CEO and you're doing a scrums meeting, your CEO is not going to want to know like the day-to-day. He's going to want to know, okay, so what have you done? How does that lead to the revenue and the bottom line of the goal? So instead, of, if, you, if you go to your CEO and you're doing a scrum and you're saying, well, I spent 12 hours working on this email that so created a list, he's just going to – or she is going to tune you yeah. out. But then if you say, well – Five of the companies I talk to are potentially partners that could generate this X amount of dollars. We're looking at closing this deal in the 15th of December, blah, blah, blah. It's like then he or she starts to get more interested. And it's something I almost had to learn the hard way where I was like, okay, okay, no, no, no attention. Okay, okay, you're not, okay, fine. And then, yeah, and, and, and <laughs> the fact is because it's interesting to you doesn't mean it's interesting to them. Exactly. That's the very first lesson, right? Exactly. And then the CMO is different where, like, okay, we're building the pipeline, we're building the process, let me show me, talk to me about the process. Let's yep. see how we can do that. So it, it is, I will always caution, and I know, Dinesh, you're going to talk about some tech tools soon. Understand um, each person's role within the business. You know, one of the reasons why I love cultural awareness and, and understand, helping people, I always say, use the difference to make a difference is, is being aware of the environment you're in. This is when you go to different cultures or in different countries or even in businesses. Yep. Understand what it is that they need and then how you can adapt to that um, it- cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In way in ways that affect um, helps them see the bottom line or the end goal. So if it's a awesome. yeah, so if it's a country, how you find that connection? You know, learn the few keywords. 
you can say hello, goodbye, thank you. How you know? How do you get there? And then with this, it's it's exactly what you're saying. You know how to get to the bottom line. Know how to speak the language of sales. How to speak the language of marketing. And before every task you get from a CEO, CMO, make sure you understand what their desired end goal is, because then you can communicate that language. So you hit it on the head, right? Yeah. A little slow down a little to move faster later. Exactly, exactly. So we live. We talked. We talked about this earlier. The digital world that we live in. And uh, we're increasingly becoming more entrepreneurial. You have a great concept on how um, getting more, how people can get more done using technology as leverage. I am so interested. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very busy guy. Often, you know, folks say, uh, you know, how the heck do you manage all this stuff, right? And, you know, frankly, I, you know, <laughs> I make the joke, you know, you know, I'm probably the laziest and stupidest guy you're going to meet. And because I'm, la- because I'm lazy and stupid, I rely on really smart people around me and technology to do things for me because I frankly don't want to do it, right? Um, and so, you know, I, the philosophy I have, and because it, it, I'll just take a second to explain it so that you can then tie it to the technology angle, is, you know, do things once, Right. Do things once um, and do only things that only you can do. Um, And those two philosophies have made a massive difference because as I look at any task um, in my business or any of my businesses, you know, I ask myself question one, which is, is this something that only I can do? And then question two is, if it isn't something that only I can do, how do I do it once and make sure somebody else does it? Uh, from now on, right? And um, technology is a huge part of that. So there's two types of technology. There's actual technology, which is software and hardware and those kinds of things. And another technology is processes and documentation. And most folks are so busy doing, they don't take the time to think about the process and document it so somebody else could do it. And um, so let's talk about those two pieces. So first talk about processes. So, you know, Email. Let's take something very simple like email. Um, everybody lives in email. I think the average now is like seven hours a day is spent um, uh, when you look at weekends and evenings and everything else on email, uh, which is you know huge. Uh, and frankly, most of it is wasted time. Um, because you, know, you read the same email four times, you know a lot of it is junk. Um, even the stuff that's good is is uh, you know. It's just it takes you forever to do anything. Um, and so what I what I try to do is I try to force people, um, everybody I work with, to um, to not use email um, except for what email is really good for, uh, which is to document an understanding. Right? That's what email is really good for. Email is a an electronic version of a memo. Uh, we use it as a conversation means, but it's really really inefficient uh, that way. So you know what? So let's talk technology. So what are other technologies that allow you to communicate that are more efficient? Skype. Well, if I have a question, is it easier to send an email or set up a Skype chat or? Um, a Slack channel on a specific topic. So be really critical about you know how you communicate. Most of your time is spent communicating internally, externally with stakeholders, with customers, with employees, all of that stuff, right? So if you think about your day, most of your day is spent communicating. So if you can move the needle on communication, what you can do is you can you can really open up hours and hours and hours during the day. 
stop responding to email. So I don't answer any of my emails anymore. Um, what I do is I have my assistant answer all, all of my emails. Um, and the result of that is I only answer emails that I have to answer. Everything else, I don't answer. And if an email comes in that's a conversation, my assistant sends an email saying, please transfer this to a chat, right? So open up a Slack channel on it, um, invite to the Slack channel, and then ask the question there, right? Um, Slack I can do in real time. I can do it sitting at my, uh, sitting, you know, on the train, um, sitting at dinner, wherever I, wherever I am, I can respond if I want to respond. If I don't want to respond, I'll respond when I want to. So I go from being, so I get control over the communication channel. So that's one type of technology. Another is technology like Asana, which is a project management technology. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do, um, can be handled, um, uh, can be treated as a project, right? So whether it's that, you know, marketing project you're working on, software development, um, even something like hiring, you know, your, your, your HR person or a manufacturing worker, these are all really mini projects. And so if you manage them like a project, uh, with, uh, as opposed to as a task, what ends up happening in the process of, of doing the work, you document it. And once you document it, somebody else can take it over. So the, the philosophies of use minimizing communication in email, which is not scalable and not transferable, into tools that are scalable, transferable, a thing like a Slack channel, a QA Slack channel, takes... 10 seconds to turn into an FAQ. Hmm. Try, try doing that with an, with, a, uh, with an email thread. It's almost impossible. And so just use those two philosophies, right? How do I leverage technology so that I can document this process so somebody else can do it? And then next time, and how do I make sure that I'm using the right technology or tool for the thing that it's best at? So email, great for documenting, um, understanding, and, 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 um, and, and, you know, for for future, for legal issues, for example. Um, but other things are great for, you know, those other things like getting alignment. Well, messaging is way better for getting alignment than um, and messaging and phone, frankly, are way better for getting alignment than trying to get everybody to agree on an email thread. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, and I've noticed a lot of people using Slack has become even more and more um, common recently, especially even as a company with their growth and as uh, um, other companies try to manage teams in different areas and different parts of the, of the, uh, the world, you know, such like yourself where you, you go back and forth. But, um, I think finding ways to, to be smart and lazy at the same time, <laughs> as you put it as, um, <laughs> is, is, uh, is definitely a good way. It's all about process. So figuring out what that process is, is, um, yeah, process doesn't have to be a heavy word, right? right? Mm -hmm. People hear the word process and they go, oh my God, this is going to destroy creativity. And, you know, it doesn't have to be heavy. A process could be as simple as saying, what we do is we go to Slack on this, right? That's a process. Yeah. Um, it, the key thing is to bring the right level of process to the problem. Right level of process to the problem. I love it. I love it. Big fan of that. So let, let's wrap this up with your, your tips for funding. You know, a lot of people have listened so far. They've heard, okay, good. This is how I can be a better salesman, better marketing individual. This is how I can put some processes to work. How can I get my million-dollar idea? Everybody has a million-dollar idea. Yeah. How can I get my idea to, to the, right, the right investor? Um, what, what would you say in terms of uh, funding? And yeah, absolutely. So quickly, you know, the fact is, is that investors don't invest in ideas. This is the great... 
Um, this is the great kind of myth that you know, tr- you know, tr- you know, Shark Tank and all talk about, right? Like, you know, that's just not how the rest of the world invests. The idea is important. It's nobody's going to invest in a dumbass idea. Mm. But the fact is, is that a mediocre idea with a great team behind it will get way more. Will be much more likely to invest get investment than a phenomenal idea with a, with a crappy team because ideas are plentiful execution is rare right, right. and fundamentally investors buy into execution because execution guarantees their money back right ideas don't and so that's what i would advise entrepreneurs is focus on execution Focus on your team. Focus on the business, uh, understanding the business itself and how you're going to execute. The more detailed you understand what the execution and risks are and the stronger your team, the more likely you'll get you'll get money because frankly if it was a crappy idea you wouldn't chase it anyway so there isn't there isn't there's very few entrepreneurs out there chasing bad ideas Uh, that's been my experience in doing hundreds of pitches and listening to hundreds of pitches you know i always sit back and go hmm that's a pretty cool idea not sure it's a cool idea for me as in something that i understand and i'm willing to invest in but it's a cool idea. I can see how that someday will turn into something valuable, right? Mm-hmm. But it always comes down to who's going to go make this happen. And if it's one person um, who's you know who's you know never been in the industry, um, sees it from outside and goes, "Ooh, this is cool." That's a really really high risk investment and very unlikely to get funded. If it's a guy that spent ten years in the industry, has worked on the customer side and knows it inside and out, has put together a team of people who know the technical side, the business, the sales side, the marketing side, and you know, and and just all the legal issues. And they've got they've got this core team of folks that just know this thing inside and out. Yeah. Uh, I you know what? I'm super. I'm sitting at the front of my chair. My you know I'm leaning forward. I'm going okay, okay. So you know all only thing that's needed to get this thing to turn into a rocket ship is a little bit of money. And getting all these guys from their part-time, you know, their part-time evenings and weekends into a full-time gig where they can put a hundred percent of their energy to it—that's super exciting. So focus on your team, focus on your execution, focus on your dam- domain, and have passion for your idea, and you're much more likely to get funded. Ideas of plentiful execution is rare. Uh, spot on on that. And you know, Mark Cuban always says that. And funny enough, I, I don't know if you identify as Canadian, but. There are quite a few Canadians in that show. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know some of them. <laughs> uh, you know some of that, yeah. There wasn't there. It's like Dragon's Den or something like that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. Um, and I, I never know. Is Mister Wonderful really like that? I, I just. I, I don't know, Mister Wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to, 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 to say that, but he. I don't know if that's how he is in real life, but he, he really appears to be a, a tough guy to please. In, uh, yeah, yeah. In yeah. They're all tough guys. Listen, you don't, you don't get, you don't get to to where they are. Um, you can be polite, um, uh, you can be civilized, but you don't get there by being nice, right? It's just, you know, nice. Frankly, nice doesn't help anybody, right? Nice 
you know, nice isn't nice. Nice doesn't generate value for shareholders. And as an investor, that's your job. Your job is to generate value for either the in your fund, your shareholders in your fund, or for you yourself. Not necessarily as a zero sum game where you're pulling value away from founders, but you know, if you believe in abundance, which is what I do, is it's being the critical, the having the critical mind and the critical actions so that you can build value for everybody, shareholders, founders, employees, and customers. Wow. So there you go. Dinesh is not really a nice guy. So now you now you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, we're going to wrap up here. I, I'm going to ask you some questions and then we'll talk about where we can find you. So you've traveled a bit. Where is your favorite country? Well, that's a really hard one. Um, you know, I, I have favorites for different things. So, you know, I, I love Canada. I love the culture of Canada. My kids and my family live in Canada because it's a phenomenal place to raise a family. Um, I love New York City. Like, me and my wife, we just, you know, any time we can, we, we get out to New York City, go see a show, just bask in the glow of, uh, of, of, of the lifestyle there. You know, I also have a place in San Francisco. Why do I have a place in San Francisco? Francisco, it is the mecca for technology and technology companies. The energy from a professional perspective is amazing there, just simply amazing. Um, so, you know, I, I truly consider myself a global citizen. So in Europe, uh, my favorite place is, is, is Rome. I love Rome. I love to sit in the culture of a 2,500-plus-year uh, society. And, and, you know, if I think every place has something unique um, and something that's amazing for it, and you know there are there are uh, your your our job and our, our frankly our our great uh, blessing is to be able to go and go to different parts of the world and seek out and find that thing that makes that place special, and then hopefully return to it to experience it. No, I, I love that answer. When people ask me that question, because I, I grew up in five countries and four continents, I always I always explain how each of those five countries uh, has a different. Um, uh, it affected me and why, why it's special. So, uh, you know, it's that my favorite city in the world is New York, which is why I live here now. So I, I, I can definitely, definitely. Yeah, I get to New York like three times a month just because my wife and I, we, we, we just, we just love coming, coming in, coming there and, uh, and, uh, just, you know, getting a hotel and, and a beautiful hotel. And we always try different boutique hotels. We don't see it in any of the big chains and, and then just walking around the city. And, oh, it's, December, yes. whether it's July, it's beautiful. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you see, that's that's exactly what I'm going to do after this call. I have one more interview, and then I'm just going to walk around the city, just 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 because, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's what's going to be. Um, do you do you like sports? I was going to ask you your favorite sports team. Yeah, I mean, I do. I don't have a lot of time for sports. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I do. I used to watch a, a lot of football. Um, you know, I, I am East Indian in origin, so I do like cricket. You know, that's a that's a one that's probably not common in North America, but I, I do enjoy watching cricket. Um, it's one of those things that you, you know takes a day, so I don't get to watch as much as I I'd like to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm into I'm more into the individual stuff. Like I, I like CrossFit a lot. I do I do CrossFit um, as a way to stay in shape. Um, but yeah, I guess that answers. No, that that no, that. <laughs> more individual than team, I guess. No, I I, I completely get it. And um, bef- uh, before the uh, the question that I always ask my mission statement, what is um, a cultural tip that you can share with the audience? Maybe someone's raising uh, a kid in a, or kids. It could be kids in mm-hmm. different environments, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out how to to 
help them transition? I know you, you, you've got great kids who are open to that concept, but what are some actionable tips that they can, they can maybe apply to themselves or their kids say, Hey, this is the benefit. You should try this. Yeah. So the, what I, what the conversation I have with my kids is be curious, mm. right? So you can reframe, you know, the move, the environment change, whether it's a new school or it's a new city, just that, you know, you're one of the very small percentage of people in the world that actually get to see different cultures, you know, and get out of their town that they were born in. Um, you know, the number of people who in society, in the world who still have never been on an airplane, vast, vastly outnumbers the folks that have actually traveled anywhere. Um, and so your conversation with your family should be about curiosity and the blessing that this is, right? And so don't focus, if you focus on the negative and, you know, the change from a negative perspective, you know what, that's what you're going to get. If you focus on being curious, on learning, getting, what are the key experiences you think you can get out of this out of this you know, one year where a country acts or whatever, and then you have those conversations and then you share as you, the adult, and your kids together, um, the experiences you have on a daily and weekly basis. You know, one of the things we do as a family is we sit down together and we go, so, you know, what, what was different? What's different about this place than the last place? Um, you know, what are the challenges and what are the, what are the things here that we couldn't find? Oh, that's find so works? great. And it's worked out really well because it changes your child. You're training your child to look at, yeah. you know, look at, look at the world with a different lens. And yeah. change is the only thing that's going to be constant in their lives. So if you, if you, if they're unable to handle change or they're resistant to change, that is a core life skill that's going to really, that's going to really um, ground them and, and, and hurt them, I guess, in the long term. Change has to be something that they embrace and they're excited about because our world is changing at a greater and greater and greater pace. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that's brilliant. Um, and, and that's, that's – they could be well said. And I completely agree with everything. It's encouraging them to be more curious, letting them understand the, the – um, the um, privilege that they have, you know, in terms of yeah. that and how that can be, that can be used for so much, so much good and so much, uh, um, make the world so much better. So, oh, really, really cool. I can see, I can see why, why you're so successful, sir. Um, Hey, it's the truth. It's the truth. I know I, I am pretty corny though. So, um, uh, I always ask my guests, my mission statement, how they use the difference to make a difference. That's the basis yeah. of everything that I do. Use your difference to make a difference. How do you, sir, use your difference to make a difference? Great. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not in this for the money right now. I mean, I've, I've been I've been fairly successful and, you know, you know, been blessed with the ability to work because I love to work and building companies and working with entrepreneurs is my vocation. Um, it's not my job. And so that this is part of how I make a difference, sharing with folks um, my experiences. Hopefully they can take something from it, make it their own. I mean, I, I'm not... You know, I'm not a guru or anything, right? So I'm just sharing with you what I've lived and what I've seen, and and hopefully you listen or anybody in your audience listens and goes, hmm, this might, you know, I can take a little kernel out of that and I can make it something that's mine. That's a big part of it. And then the other thing I do is, you know, I I'm, I'm on Clarity, Clarity.fm. If any of you guys are 
uh, your audience is aware of that platform. And so I do calls on that platform, and all the money I make on those calls, um, I donate to charity. So it's an opportunity if you if you want to engage with me, clarity.fm slash Dinesh K at work. Um, you can set up a call, and um, you know we'll 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 spend we'll spend time dealing with some key issues in your business, and any any of the the money I make goes 100% to charity. So you know my personal goal is to to donate between you know five and five and six thousand dollars this year to charity um, on that platform, and it's a way that I can you know again align two of my key visions in life. One is to help entrepreneurs through the journey of entrepreneurship because frankly this is a very tough and lonely way to earn a living, um, and uh, in addition help folks who are who are less. Uh, uh, less blessed than we are and maybe don't live in as great a country as we do and um, and don't have the same opportunities we do. Absolutely. Love it. And we can find you where? Uh, a couple of different ways. Dinesh K at work um, is my Twitter handle. Uh, Dinesh K co is my website. You know, clarity, clarity.fm slash Dinesh K at work. So you can get all of me at any of those um, places. Brilliant. I'll be putting that in the in the show notes and thank you thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for being uh grateful and graceful with your time i i think you you shared a lot of great tips that people can actively implement so thank you so much and uh let me know when you come to new york yeah i'll be there in in, in a week we should get together for coffee oh, we'll make that happen done deal done all right <laughs> all right i'll talk to you soon and uh till next time nomads use your difference to make a difference You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.